The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome. Welcome. I'm your host, Suzanne Phillips. I want to thank you for joining me on Psych Up Live. How often do we dream about something we've always wanted to do or someone we've always wanted to become only to put the brakes on with self-recriminations like, I'm too old, it'll take too much time, it'll cost too much, will it jeopardize my relationships? How often have we spoken about our dreams to others and remembered most clearly, the voices that echoed our doubts and fears about reaching for our dream. Our guest today is someone who had the fear, heard the doubts, but kept on going. Our guest is M.J. McGrath. M.J. McGarth is the wife and mother of children, a pilot, the author of the book, Finding the Wow, How Dreams Take Flight at Midlife. She's the founder of Gravity Games, which will be tested aboard the International Space Station. And presently, she's a graduate student. Her goal is helping astronauts thrive on long-duration space flights. Whether you are a pilot, whether you love flying or would never board a plane, MJ's story will invite you to reach for your story. MJ McGroff, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Suzanne, thanks for having me today. Okay, MJ, so the book is is really a remarkably interesting book. I think it's inspiring, at times a little anxiety producing. What first of all, what prompted you to follow the stream in the middle of your life to decide I think I want to take flying lessons? Well, Suzanne I've been wanting to be a pilot ever since I was small. I'm, I'm really a, a dream keeper. I kept this dream for a long time, thinking of being a pilot, thinking of being an astronaut. Since I was probably six or seven, my mm. room filled with these things. So it had been around for a while, but I didn't follow the dream when I was younger. Okay. So then at some point, you dare to consider. Now, you, you and I and everyone out there listening knows mothers are not allowed to get sick. They are not allowed to be too busy. <laughs> how, how did you dare think you were going to actually come back and forth from that house and your whole family and take flying lessons? Well, you know, it was actually an ordinary event that happened. And uh, that event was about 14 years ago. My children were 8 and 10 years old. And getting ready for school on a typical routine uh, day. Um, I'm packing the lunches. I'm getting ready. And then my husband says, what are you doing today? When I reach for my paper pen planner, uh, the paper one that, that I open to and it tells me what I do, <laughs> it was gone, missing. And that's what uh, prompted me to, um, well, first I panicked. <laughs> because what am I supposed to do? This is right. my my diary. In a sense, it's my it's my time machine. Here's what you did. Here's what you're doing. Here's what you will do. And not having it, I felt lost. So I dropped the children off, and then had to figure out what to do about that planner. Mm. Now, 
when you decided at that point, hey, maybe I'm going to make a new schedule for myself, um, did you think that your husband was going to go along with this? Well, I, I really wasn't sure. There is, you know, it was at sort of that, an intersection point in my life. Um, you know, I knew that the routine did not have a lot of zest. I mean, I, I dearly love my children and, and love them then. And, but, you know, it was really just, you know, scouts and, and, and after-school sports and PTA, et cetera. So I knew I was supposed to meet with a teacher, but I wasn't sure which, which teacher who was I disappointing. And so I ran to the stationery store first just to get a replacement. Um, that seemed easy enough for this kind of a small crisis. Until I opened the, that book, a fresh book, and thumbed through it and saw the fresh pages and thought, what if I were to, to just refill this thing? What if I were to rewrite this and add something that was really powerful? What would I do? So that's how the thought started. I knew what I'd put in it, but I thought, oh, come on. You know what? Mom goes to flight school. You know, there aren't any moms at the school going to flight school. Well, so that's what, how I began. Um, I couldn't help but tell someone. I was telling them about the show because it's so typical of all of us. I think, you, as you describe it, it's kind of funny. You wake your husband in the middle of the night. He's sleeping. You say to him, I think I want to take flying lessons. And in a groggy state, he says, is this menopause or, or something of that sort? <laughs> and this person was laughing because, uh, first of all, the timing is hilarious. But actually, you get that little note in the morning that says, just not helicopters, and you're elated, and then you start your journey. Um, one of the things that you do that so many men and women do when they decide it's never too late to go back to school, is they sometimes put themselves in a situation where they are different. Now, you end up at flight school where you're, are you the only female and certainly older than the young men who are in the um, class with you? I certainly was then. Um, I didn't know all the data. Uh, This was, uh, you know, I'm in my 40s and I know that, you know, it's a male field, but um, I didn't know how heavily laden it was with men and um but i thought okay uh i'm willing to give it a try now just to back up a second suzanne it wasn't as simple as oh good i'll call the flight school fill out the application start i read the textbook for a good part of the of a year cover to cover because i wanted to step into it at least with some knowledge and, Mm -hmm. and and feel like i'd sharpened myself a bit but then when I started, they had changed the textbook. The one that I had <laughs> carefully reviewed was, was, was highlighted from cover to cover. And when my, one of my friends said, you've highlighted the whole book, I said, well, you know, I was just highlighting what I didn't know. So um, <laughs> I was truly a beginner. I step into the class at last because I finally got the courage to fill out the application and become a student. There were four of us in the in the class, and that's referred to as ground school when you're not flying in the air, and they were, of course, all guys, half my age, and Mm -hmm. um, they, uh, you know, I looked like I crashed a fraternity party. (laughs) (laughs) I took my seat and thought, okay, I'm definitely the minority here. I'm the outsider, you know, let's go. Let's, Let's see what happens next. And then you actually do the best thing of all. You begin to feed them and help them with homework. Um, <laughs> well, I think, I think some of our traits from, from our youth continue into life. And since I was a homework completer and they were having more fun than I was, I mean, you know, they'd have fun weekends and I would, you know, be with my children at the zoo or something, but I would always dedicate my evenings to finishing my homework. So, yeah, they, they did. I shared my homework with them. But <laughs> also, because I have school children, I always had extra stuff to eat. You're right. I would share that with them, too. It was it's, it sounded precious, actually. You really found a way to kind of really bond with them. Um, now, I just want to go back a step, too, and that is when people think about doing this. I know I, for one, when I'm working with someone who's going to you know, take a step toward a new chapter. We always talk about networks of support. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, you had a very powerful network of support. I wonder if you could speak about that a little bit, those friends of yours. Yes. You know, um, when when I started to, to learn to fly um, or, and, and even considered it, um, I had some very close friends, and then I had some fr- uh, people that I knew at school. And I remember when I um, dropped off the children one day, you know, we were chatting, and someone said, uh, well, what's new? And I said, well, you know, actually, something very new. Um, I'm thinking of, of learning something that I've always wanted to learn. I think I'm going to learn to fly. And that group said, you know, that that's the most ridiculous thing we've ever heard. How crazy can you be? You have children. That's pretty scary. And when I explained it to my family um, collectively, you know, after the night that I talked to my husband, they said, well, you'd be crazy not to try this, Mom. So I wasn't mm-hmm. sure in weighing the balance of the two, which was trying to give me better advice. But nevertheless, I, I proceeded with it. And... Um, I had very close friends, and, and the group that I that that uh, I was with at the time um, were loyal and going through their own forty-something changes. And we called ourselves the Chicks in Charge, not because mm-hmm. we knew exactly what we were in charge of, but we thought that you know if it started with with us, it had a better chance of happening. What what I like about um, the 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 storyline, it's of course real, that goes through the book is that as you are trying to integrate all this material and and dealing with everything about flight school, much less your family, it really shows that in midlife friends are supporting each other in different places. I mean, there's illness, there's marital problems in your friends, and everybody though when they need each other steps out of their own their own kind of context and really backs each other up. And you really think about the power of, it doesn't have to be a big group, but groups really do foster, you know, support and courage uh, during the most unexpected times. Talking about unexpected yes. times, um, MJ, what was the the unexpected challenges that along the way gave you pause to think, what, am I crazy? Or, oh, this is outrageous. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think the first thing I had to face, and I did share it with my friends, um, the Chicks in Charge group, and they were, they were critical uh, as a support group. Not that either of them were pilots or had any intention, but they... they had challenges, as you mentioned, one was thrust upon her um, with uh, um, a life-threatening illness, and the other was doubting whether or not she was in the right relationship, and and I wanted to claim um, uh, a one pilot's license was my goal, and and yet that goal, and even the other two agreed it was filled with fear. It was the fear that um, internal fear, now specific to flying. Um, you know, should I be doing this? It was guilt, really. Like this, mm. this could be powerful. Is this okay at my age? Aren't I supposed to be done with this? In fact, can I do this? Will I succeed? And and then the fear that, well, if I do succeed, I'm going to have to be in an airplane by myself for many several hours, many mm. tens of several hours prior to the exam. And that was almost more than um, I, I, I had to take it, uh, break it into pieces. <laughs> I couldn't take mm-hmm. it all at once. Mm, that is, it sounds like, you know, that's really what you did. And I mentioned, I thought of the, um, uh, Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, when I read your book because I thought, you know, you can have a passion for something, but unless you have the capacity to persist and hang in there with hours of studying, I think at some point you're getting four hours of sleep, and um, somehow regulating the terror um, involved in losing your radio at one point, having to put the plane in stalls. I mean, you you make it very clear that this is no... This is no TV show. This is not. There's no guarantees here, and so you know. Even reading it, you could appreciate that. Wow, 
um, she had to be wondering at times, why am I flying this plane with with cards <laughs> and notes next to me when I'm actually terrified and I could be home? But you see, that's the power. And I even think that's a wonderful thing to model for children. That's the power of your dream. Um, one thing that seemed to have stopped you short was was the sexual harassment and the gender bias a shock to you? Well, you know, yeah, and, and then um, I certainly will get to that, and then I'd like to go back to more of what the dream was about because um, terror, as you call it, you know, my knees actually shook a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, but but also uh, my heart soared m- many more times, and mm. I'll get back to that. But so so let me let me um, go on to the. The uh, how it is to be a female in an all-male world. Um, this is, again, about 14 years ago or so, so I think I would have reacted differently. In fact, I know I'd react differently today, and, and that's probably as a result of becoming um, a pilot now of, of several licenses and, and, and just, just your own fortitude and growth, which I advocate in my, is part of my theme. You know, it's, you're not just following your dream but you are living uh, a life truly reimagined. And so during that time that you referred to, the harassment time, it was a hit on. Uh, it's a couple of times, actually several times. I didn't want to write about all of them. Um, and it may be because the aviation world, especially the old guard, as it's called, found that that was receptive to some women. Um, but it wasn't to me. And it, of course, doesn't show respect for myself being a student. And the, the reason that I didn't react to it more um, more verbally, Suzanne, is that I thought, gosh, you know, well, what will it mean if, you know, what if, what if I am told that, that he won't teach me anymore? Well, maybe I should mm. do that. Or did so, I do anything that, that can, can telegraphed that it was okay? So um, I, I want to just stop you here because we're going to take a break. And it's so important because you are literally saying what women in very often in more male-dominated cultures say, did I bring this on? So uh, let's take a break and we're going to come back and let's let's hear your experience of this because there's a lot of listeners who, regardless of the field, they've been in those shoes. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with MJ, MJ McGrath. She's the wife, mother who became a pilot and more. She's the author of the book, Finding the Wow, How Dreams Take Flight at Midlife, We're going to come right back and look really closely at the flight she took. Um, Stay with us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hoarding has become a tremendous issue worldwide, not just for those who hoard, but for the people who love and care about them. On Take Back Your Life, when your things are taking over, host Elaine Birchall helps you to understand and get unstuck from the clutter in your life, no matter how severe. Our program brings you practical strategies to help you get started and maintain your goals. Listen live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. 
Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with MJ McGrath. She's wife, mother, pilot, and author of the book, Finding the Wow, How Dreams Take Flight at Midlife. MJ and I were just talking about the the kind of dilemma and the shock sometimes women find themselves in when they're in really a, a predominantly male context in terms of a job or a role or a profession, and the 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 shock it is sometimes that somebody really turns up the volume on sexual harassment. And we were talking about how you were startled by that, and then you were mm-hmm. going to share with us how you felt and what you did about it. Yeah, so, um, uh, you know, I, I uh, look at, at uh, unwelcome advances as... Uh, out of context. I, I even at the time, you know, when when that happens to you, you think of it as, as something very personal. Sadly, it's probably not that personal. It's just you're convenient, and uh, and it's it may be an impulse on the other person's part. Whatever that's that's rationalizing it. It doesn't make it right. So um, so I felt stuck. Where do I go? And I want to say this too to the listeners and. Um, and share this because the book is about oh, being very vulnerable in my experience as a as a student pilot. Uh, and one of those was how I was not going to tell my husband. And the reason for that is I knew I could handle this, but if I told him, he'd be angry, and worse yet, he'd tell me I couldn't fly. Maybe mm. so. And that was hard because you know we we're, we're not like that with each other. But this mm. was so. This wasn't an affair. This was just so uh, you know a, a ridiculous kiss. So um, so anyway, uh, what I did was I went to the chicks and said, "Okay, um, I think I'll, I'll quit." And so they looked at me and they weren't going to buy that at all. They go, "What happened?" <laughs> and when great. I finally <laughs> when I finally they came clean, they would not let me quit. They said, you need to find another way, you need to find another instructor, but you cannot quit because you love this too much, and we see mm. that in you. And I was very thankful that mm. I was given a kick in the pants for that. Mm. You know, it's and it was so... a place, uh, oh, excuse me. No, go ahead. It was go a ahead. place to vent because that is an experience that, that is not something that, that settles well. Mm. It models that really sometimes... Mm. Just having someone to share it with and hear it and bear witness to it gives you some power. Do you ever tell your husband? I'm trying to remember. I, I can't remember. Do you ever tell him what happened? Yes, I finally did. And he knew, and he knew who it was. And I told him, you know, just just leave it. Thankfully, he did that. Mm. Um, uh, and the reason is he could see how meaningful a flight was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, my yoga instructor uh, said it best when she said, um, there are two important days of your life. She said, one is the day you were born, and the other is the day you find out why. Oh, I love it. That's great. And, oh, and, you know, flight from the first lesson in the air. I knew I was captivated and so in love with that that I thought 
this is where really I belong. And, and sure, it will take work. And no, I was not a perfect student pilot. I made mistakes. Um, and some were uh, hysterical looking back on it. Another one was not so so funny. But, but the absolute intense joy of seeing the earth from that perspective and from bringing an airplane in, setting it up, and making a really nice landing. You know, those are things that I just will never forget for the rest of my life. Mm. What was, you think, the funniest um, incident, MJ? Uh, well, um, you know, I, I learned a lot of lessons from the sky, and certainly that is find your friends. But the other is um, make mistakes and don't let them define who you are or if you mm-hmm. should be following that dream. So it was a day that finally arrived where um, I had just started to do some solo uh, work in the airplane, which meant I was the only one in my little airplane that I referred to as Bravo. And I needed to take Bravo out to, uh, I live in California, out to the Central Valley and go to an airport somewhat at a distance um, out in the, the, the southern farm area. So I planned it for days, which is so much like me, Suzanne. You know, I yes. my cards. I made three by five cards, and you know, here are the navigation points. Here's what I'll see when I look down toward, you know, right below the wing, and here's who I would call and how I would say it. You know, there's a whole language of the air, and I had to get that down really right. And yeah. and so I felt ready. I get in Bravo that day, and I'm breathing deeply, going, I can. I know I can do this. So I have my cards. And I'd practice them in my head. Now, this is before a lot of online stuff, which is so helpful to learn mm. from. So, you know, everything was books and papers. Finally get up to the sky. And I'm thinking, gosh, I'm here. I'm going on a long distance flight. Long distance, you know, it's, it's, it's about 100 miles away. <laughs> and, and I'm going to get my cards out. And this is going to be fine. And I opened the vents because the day was warm. And the cards blew everywhere. I mean, it oh went to God. the back. One went to the window and shuddered a bit as if it was waving goodbye. And down it went to the, you know. And, I'm wa- and I look out the window, and my instructor had said, fly the plane. You must always say fly the plane. Mm. Because he said things are going to happen. And they're going to happen when you're by yourself, likely. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. must remember to fly the plane. And so I had... Uh, rehearsed what was in on these cards, mm-hmm. and I came out over that airfield, and I practically buzzed the tower, and the the controller said, Bravo, "What are you doing?" Because you know it wasn't a standard entry because I was a little fast and a little high, and I said, "I am, uh, I'm preparing to land." He said, "Well, how?" Are you doing that? So anyway, I did make the landing, Suzanne. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, the, my finest moment at all, but the I did manage to bring it down. As you did each time. As you did each time. But that was, I mean, for someone who highlighted their books and wrote cards on everything, I could, I could appreciate both the horror and the hilarity of, well, there go the cards. Um, yeah, but there you go brought the cards. it down. Yeah, what I loved when you at one point, and you obviously had a whole relationship with the people in the tower, was your little ones when when you were starting hearing you practice talking to the tower and them saying, "You can't mumble like that, Mom. You've got." I mean, it was really so <laughs> adorable that there they were with you. Um, but you, I mean, you had a few certainly scary moments. What would you say to people? I mean, you're in the storm. I mean, you at one point you don't have a radio um, and then you're worried about taking your final test. So you, you really epitomize for us someone who's doing something that's really out of everybody's range, really. Um, how did you regulate your anxiety? I mean, how did you get back in that plane all the time? Um, well, Excuse me. You know, I I think that um, again in the moment I'm pulling out everything I could possibly remember. I think the, the so that the listeners can refer to it. There was a time when um, I didn't expect the fog to come in as fast as it did, and it started to uh, like like 
like a claw of gray fingers come right into the area where I was supposed to land. And it was, it was also a day that I didn't have um, uh, enough fuel that I should have had when I left. So there were, there were some mistakes made in the front end, and, and mistakes can domino. And if a domino's in the wrong direction, you know, you're, you're adding up the negatives pretty quickly. So, um, so I got out of that by remembering what it is I had learned. Mm. And it, it made me reflect after that that what really makes us afraid is that we will be faced with a bad outcome. That it, that we project a bad outcome, if you will, and, you know that this is going to happen again, and it's going to take my life, and I'm going to be done. And I thought, well, wait, I made mistakes, and mistakes are fixable the next time. And mm-hmm. what is fear? But maybe something I hadn't learned yet. But I had learned enough, and it was actually the chicks that pointed that out. You you just told us what you did. That wouldn't have happened six months ago. You're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was and, great. And yeah. Because we, you know, we all get afraid, and um, and then that fear will block us. You know, we we will decide that that it's trying to tell us to quit. When I was changing it around and say, let it me, let it try to tell me to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was great. Um, one of the th- two things I think you reflect for people, and that is whether you've decided to study medicine, go back and teach kindergarten, um, open your own landscaping business, or fly. It seems to me passion, uh, adoring it, out has to out trump Tara, or you wouldn't keep doing it. And then the persistence and the passion that makes you study and study and plan it and redraw it, etc. As your friend said, and as they would keep saying, people say to people who are competitive runners, just run your own race. You know how to run. Or go in there and take the, the test because you studied. And as soon as you, you're sort of saying that, if we don't catastrophize and get into worry, which is fiction and catastrophizing, we can draw upon. It's amazing how you showed us how you drew upon what you had learned, even in the roughest of situations. And I think that's what people do. Nobody gets an easy path to a new chapter. No, and and dreams aren't a straight line from A to B. I have right. an idea that you're starting at A, and there's B. Why all I have to do is go there. And, you know, because it's not, it is a very circuitous line that loops and, I mean, it's, it's almost like my, my sky practice. You know, you, you're going to need to learn to stall the airplane and show how you get out of it because those are fatal maneuvers if done improperly. And they usually are done at the ground too low to recover well. So don't get into them. Here's how they feel, and here's how you get out. I thought there was just never going to be a way I was going to be able to do this on my own until I stopped and said, wait, other people are doing it. What did they learn? Mm -hmm. Because for me, my courage came from the learning, not from just telling myself that I was brave. <laughs> well, I don't think that I'm inordinately brave. No, I just think that I'm a. I'm just. I'm just inordinately persistent. Well, you know, when you read about special forces, there's the difference between blind optimism and realistic optimism. If you haven't really ever learned to do stalls, saying I'm going to do this is just not going to cut it. You know, so the training is what gives people the realistic optimism. You know, optimism, whatever the particular, you know, feat is. It's not like just jumping off a mountain because you want the thrill of it. You know, there's real, real training that underscored everything you did. Now, you've, now we're fast forwarding, I think, 12 or 14 years. And when you look back, it sounds like you never stopped either, MJ. You went on to more licenses, you became an instructor. Well, I, I did, and uh, you know, at the time, no one would have ever convinced me that that would have happened. I was just so pleased that I could get through the first one, and it was the the uh, uh, flight examiner that said, you know, uh, when I, when I said, wow, when I finished the first half of of it, which was all the uh, verbal um, um, 
channel, the quizzes and and uh, some written um, calculations. He said, before we get into the plane, you know, let me do some paperwork. I slump in my seat right across from his desk and go, oh, what do other mothers do on a Saturday morning? Mm-hmm. And I just took this sigh, like, oh, I just, you know, there's, in other words, there's got to be an easier way. And he slapped his hands on the desk and he said, and he reminded me of Ed Asner anyway. You know, we were like Mary <laughs> Tyler Moore and Ed Asner anyhow. And he said, I want to tell you this. Nothing good comes easy. You got gumption. And I thought, oh, I haven't heard that word in so long. I don't know if it's good or if it's bad. Or, you know, maybe I'll just, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll just nod or shake my head or do both, a little of both and maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's risk without being reckless risk, Suzanne. Yes. Yes. We can go outside our comfort zone, and we can see that it's changing us. And at the time I started to get a pilot's license, I didn't have a plan as to what I would exactly do with it, and that I would go on and get more, or that it would lead to space. Um, and so I think that that's probably the segue that you're thinking of right now. Hmm. It, it's really but I did get uh, more licenses. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if I asked your husband and kids now, what do they think about what you do? What do you think your kids would tell me? Uh, I think that um, we each, the four of us, do different things. Mm-hmm. But I think we all really have our heart in what we do, and that's the common denominator. So that's mm-hmm. what we really support with each other Um uh, my son um, was not real keen on flying, and he actually did take some flying lessons, but okay. d- when she was 16, and, you know, when, uh, an age where I wish I had. But she said, you know, I didn't, I didn't love it the way you did, Mom. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I said, then don't do it for me. You right. Don't do this because I love this. And, um, but they think that, um, you know, space is a very exciting place to be in, and they're, they're really happy to hear what I'm doing there now. Mm. You know, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about your new steps, which, as you just mentioned, are to really, I mean, I, I really help the astronauts. I hadn't thought of it until I read what you wrote about Gravity Games, which is when you're in outer space, it's got to be confining and very, very restrictive. So let's take a break and come back and follow mm-hmm. you to your next stream. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with MJ McGrath. We've been talking about finding the wow, how dreams take flight at midlife. Stay with us. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. A wave of change is happening in our world now. A new feminine way of leadership is emerging. Yet this is not about women taking over. 
this rise of the feminine is helping men too. Join host Gina Lazenby, award-winning businesswoman, best-selling author, and speaker on feminine wisdom as she reports on the rise of the feminine with inspiring stories of women who are coming into their own and finding their unique purpose. Tune in and join this conversation in the rise of the feminine each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We've been speaking with MJ McGrath, and she's the mom who became the pilot. She's the author of the book, Wow!, And now she's moved into really something even, you know, more powerful, which is coming up with gravity games and interest in helping astronauts. MJ, maybe you can clarify how this works and what gravity games are. Yes. Well, um, again, this is sort of the journey of of when you're in the place of doing what you you really love. And uh, as I had mentioned earlier, as we started the other dream I had as a child that I thought this train had definitely left the station was to be an astronaut. Well, mm. in a way, it had left the station, but the station wasn't completely something I had to step away from. Mm. So uh, in the course of my becoming a pilot and then uh, a commercial pilot and flight instructor, I uh, was keeping an eye on something called um, suborbital space flights, and those were starting to be tested. Uh, soon after, when I, I started to, to teach, I, I had contacted somebody um, from Virgin Galactic and said, I'm real interested in what you are doing. Would you mind having a cup of coffee with me? But by the way, that took a whole lot of courage for me to do that. Yes. That <laughs> so she said yes, and I thought, yo. And so we met, and she needed a mission support rep for to help um, get the, the word out, and um, I had... And another part-time job uh, mm-hmm. working with her. Um, in the meantime, I needed to take training so that when I explained what it felt like to be on a rocket going to the edge of space, I knew what it felt like. So I went to where the training is done and is best, and the simulators are what jet pilots say are so realistic. You're, you're, it's, it's almost like the real thing. Yes. You look out the window, you see the edge of space, you feel the, the forces of acceleration on your body. And so I was starting to go to conferences and met a company called Made in Space. And that's where Gravity Games uh, got its start. Um, what they were looking for was a way to uh, explain to the communities and to students how things are made in space. In other words, what we'll need in the future will be made out there. They can't mm. be made here and taken out there. So they've developed a zero-gravity 3D printer and then comes in gravity games, and they yeah. really liked this innovation. Mm. We need to energize the next generation for space, and gravity games is one way to do that. The students design a real handheld game that will be printed on the the zero-gravity printer on the International Space Station, and we hope played by the astronauts. And that uh, is a science experiment, and they'll compare their hypotheses. That's going to happen the next few months. Wow. So, in other words... um the design will be on the printer and hypothetically in space to deal with, as you said, the boredom, the isolation, the confinement. They'll be able to print out this 3D game that they can then access and use. That's exactly how it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, On a 3D printer on Earth, um, you don't have to worry about about, you know, everything kind of settles once it's made. In space, right. the P 
pieces will actually float. And the students have made something that's a, the the pilot team has made um, um, their prototype is a kind of combination of perplexus and and hot potato game. And uh, the the astronauts, when they play it, um, can't be the last one holding it. So it provides... That's great. Yeah, and it's really hard to get your your head around zero gravity. But you know... Great working. It it says to us how therapeutic play is and how wonderful it is to go from... I know you said it was children who were part of a contest doing this. I mean, you've got so many generations involved... It sounds terrific. In the interest of time, MJ, I want people to be able to order your book, find more information about Zero Gravity, um, Gravity Games, and the whole printer behind it. How would they do that? Well, uh, for listeners that would like uh, more information about uh, Gravity Games and um, my book, Finding the Wow, go to my website, uh, and that's MJ Margraf. www.mjmargraf.com and and you can do that. You get the book from Amazon and thanks for letting me mention that. (laughs) And and, uh, if uh, Gravity Games um, continues to to get traction, we'll be able to offer that to more students throughout the country. That's that's the vision. Mm -hmm. And more will participate in the vision. And uh, Maybe it should even somehow eventually be in a documentary. It sounds terrific. So just to go back to your original um, reach for a dream, the name of your book is Finding the Wow. Where did that come from, MJ? Finding the Wow is not about my wow. It's, it, it is the universal thing that gives us that. That, that intense joy that says this is really meaningful and, and with, with deep purpose. And um, I, again, like the license itself, it, it wasn't something I thought I would write when I started to fly. It just made uh, itself apparent to me because I wanted other people to be motivated, inspired um, by a story of somebody who really is a, um, a an ordinary person that, that happened to take a step into a very uh, extraordinary um, place and found that this is not just about flying. It's, it's about finding more about who you are and the uh the airplane helped to 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 convey that to me um so whatever your airplane is you need to fly it and it's never too late to follow your dream Mm. and you as you share and readers will find in the book your two friends the um, other chicks in charge, um, they really also follow dreams which are completely different from yours. Something They That's reach right. for something, and I think readers will find that from art to, you know, to all kinds of things, everybody gets their wow in a different kind of way. That's um, right. I mean, you even mentioned in the break, I asked you about your children and flying in. They appreciated you were passionate about this but that's not what either of them found completely passionate. But they were very, they were very patient with you. It sounded like it's great. It's it's great when kids are patient with us because um, somehow I think out of the corner of their eye, they don't mind if we're doing something that makes us happy, and that doesn't really take from them. And you were running back to emergency rooms, all kinds of things as a mom, and taking care of your kids. Um, but there's something about modeling. I mean, we, we want to encourage people to reach for their wow for their own, you know, self-enhancement and because life is something that you want to really embrace. But it really is a very wonderful model. And people are so proud when they say, my mom's a pilot, my dad ran the marathon, you know, my grandma is still writing poetry, whatever it is. I think it's a wonderful model, especially when it doesn't trample the needs of other people. And you can see that you figured out a way to make sure that never happened. 
it's uh, it's a way to to uh, show that you know it's never too late until it's too late. So you live. Don't let fear rule your life and and be um, be the thing that you have to 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 listen to. As I said, it's not recklessness. It's learning how to control the the those elements of fear, and, and that's largely through what it is we need to, to learn and to study, um, because what we don't know is, is scary. So stop. Is that something that you can really learn from? You know, another book that I, I'm a big fan of is uh, Mindset mm-hmm. by Carol Dweck, and it's because she talks about the growth mindset and that we, we aren't fixed at 20s or 30s or even 40s to say this is this is where I am and so it's done um, you can embrace that what what is powerful and um, and I think that's what I, I hope these listeners can get from finding the wow I want to thank you so much, MJ, for coming on the show, for sharing your journey with all of us. I think it's a gift and an inspiring message. Thanks again, and best of luck with Gravity Games. Thank you, Suzanne. You're very welcome. I want to thank my listeners. Remember that you can hear this show and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, my website, on the podcast app of your iPhone, on iTunes, all under, you know, app, podcast, Voice America, Psych Up Live. You've got the whole listing. I invite you to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Next week, it's it's really um, important in terms of this show, we're going to talk about risk-taking and going for the thrill of it all and what it means and if women do that to the same degree that men do that. So be sure to be listening. Mostly, take care, thanks, and we'll be seeing you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.